You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. It's our joy tonight to have Pastor Rands with us, and uh, appreciate Brother Jeremy and his wife Michelle being with us. And uh, they, uh, we had lunch with them today, and I'm grateful for their friendship and uh, just how that's growing. Uh, the picture I showed in India—that's where he and I met. We were we weren't bunking in the same exact room, but we were staying in the same kind of little compound building, and that's kind of how just the Lord, you know, led us to get to know each other through that. And we had jet lag together, and we got stuck an extra night and. Uh, where was that again? I'm trying to remember where we were. It was a blur. It was just crazy. And then we were trying to get home. And uh, anyway, but just a lot of good memories. And so I'm grateful for Jeremy. He currently serves as the senior pastor of Monclova Road Baptist Church. Uh, they've been there since uh, 15, but he served on staff in Georgia and PA and in Milford, Ohio. And so Brother Rand is going to come preach for us tonight. Please don't feel rushed at all. We're fine on time. But uh, preach the word tonight. And I hope you have your Bible with you. Um, you should have a bulletin if you didn't get that. Uh, make sure that you catch it afterwards. But uh, the outlines are in that, and the first outline is for tonight. So the second outline will be later in the bulletin for tomorrow. Brother Rands will be with us tomorrow as well. Brother Rands, you come preach for us tonight. Lord bless you. Appreciate and love you. Thank you. Lord bless you. Thank you. Well, good evening. My wife on the way in tonight said I'm hungry, and so I'm not going to be long tonight, or I'm going to be in trouble with her. Uh, she reminded me before we even started tonight that so but I am uh, so thankful but you know there's certain blessings that you only receive through longevity there's certain things that you can only see God do through longevity and um, I praise the Lord for just what he's done here in this place over the last 12 years I uh, I was sitting I was getting a little bit teary-eyed the older I get the more sentimental I get and um, I was just thinking about those kids that are signing up here. I remember all of our kids, young, uh, just just tiny, doing church with us. And now we have two adult children, three others that are still in school, and it just seems like time flies by, and they just keep getting older. And um, my dad, I grew up, my dad was a church planner, and so... I, old people say, where, where are you from? And I always pause and laugh because I don't know like what they mean, like what age. Uh, every couple years we moved, my dad would start a church. And so we lived in Michigan and Wyoming, back to Michigan, and then back to uh, the Philadelphia area where I met my wife and New Jersey. And now the Lord has led us back to pastor church in the Toledo area. And... Um, We've been there six years. We just celebrated our sixth anniversary there. And so we are just so thankful to be a part of this special occasion. Last year we were supposed to be here, and I got a headache and a slight fever about a week before I would come. And I said to my wife, this is odd. And um, I said, no, no big deal. We'll get rid of it. And the weekend got closer and closer and closer, and um, I think it was that next Monday we canceled. We were not, I think, I was willing to come. I was going to wear a, a suit, you know, a mask and a suit and just, you know, hazmat suit, and, uh, but it was the following week that uh, I found out I had COVID, and I ended up in the hospital for six days, 
and um, it does. It seems like a lifetime ago, but I appreciate being back here this year. We're going to be in Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter 10. I'm, I'm rambling too much. I need to get right to it here. Luke chapter number 10. I enjoyed just walking in your lobby. You can tell a lot about a church by some of the things that are laid out in the lobby area. And when I came in today and I saw the table and it uh, looks like a map and uh, ways to be able to get into the community and put door hangers on doors and, and um, just knowing your pastor's heart, I know you have a desire to, to reach this area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would challenge you as a church, no matter how old you get, to keep that as the main thing, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here we find a question that's asked. There's a parable of the Good Samaritan. How many of you have heard a message at least 35 times on this passage of Scripture? It's a familiar passage of Scripture. It's a, it's a message of a, a good Samaritan. There's hospitals named after uh, this man. There's laws that are made after this man, this good Samaritan. He is, he is traveling on a road, and, and he helps a stranger. But I want to look at the, the context of this verse as we then get into this parable that the Lord tells us. There's a, a man, a certain lawyer, the Bible says, in Luke 10, verse number 25, and behold, a, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And I, I want you to notice, as he says here, I want, uh, he stood up, a certain lawyer, and so he's standing up to argue with the Lord. And we know that because the Bible says that he tempted him. He, he, he's going to try to catch Jesus in something so he could disprove the message that our Lord is giving. And so he, he tempts him and he asks this question and he says unto him, this is Jesus saying this, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And obviously Jesus, knowing this man as a lawyer, he asks him a question back and says, well, what's the law say? You, you study the law. You know the law. This is what you do. You're a lawyer. What does the what does the law say on the question that you ask? He asks a question to this question. And this man, this lawyer, in verse number 27 says, he answers it saying this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. You know what was very interesting? This man knew the law. He knew what the Bible said. He quoted scripture back. He, he had it in his mind, but he didn't have it in his heart. And that's why Jesus was going to reveal something to this man. This man knew exactly what the right answer was. And Jesus then says to him, thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. He says to this lawyer this, you know the answer, do the answer. See, this man knew it, but he wasn't living it. He had it, he had the answer, but he wasn't living this answer. And the Lord reminds him, then you have it right, you've answered it well, now go and do it, and thou shalt live. 
And look with me in verse number 29. He says this. He's willing to justify himself or make excuses. He says unto Jesus, who's my neighbor? And so I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but who is my neighbor? See, remember, he's trying to catch Jesus in something here. He's trying to trick him. He's trying to discredit his message. And so he knows the answer. Jesus says, now do it. And he says, well, before you tell me to do it, who is actually my neighbor? Am I supposed to love the person that lives right next to me? Am I supposed to love the person that lives next to them? How, how many people away from my home am I supposed to love? Am I supposed to love anyone that I see? Who is my neighbor? If you'll tell me who my neighbor is, then, then I'll love that one. And so Jesus, knowing this man's heart, knowing this man is being deceitful, knowing this man is trying to tempt him and discredit his message, he tells us this parable. He says this, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves and stripped him of his raiment and wounded him. He departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at this place, came and he looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, certain Samaritan. Now, every single one of these people in this passage of Scripture, in this parable, is vitally important. There's a certain man. Mark that down. There's a priest. There's a Levite. And there's a Samaritan. And every single person here, as the Lord has given this man this answer, he's using specific people to give this answer. And he went to him. He bound him up, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him, on his be set him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou hast spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And so he puts this back on this lawyer. Which now of these three thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him, and Jesus says unto him, go. Do likewise. Go and do. Do what you know to do. This man was a, a very self-righteous man, this lawyer. He's, he's asking this dishonest question. He was tempting Jesus with this trying to stop jesus or trip up jesus or trap him in what he's saying and jesus says to him as we read so what does the law say this man knew the answer and i want you to think this tonight and understand this tonight this man he was religious but he was lost you see religion can give you all the answers that religion can can tell you but Jesus says it takes more than just knowing the answer. You've got to do something with the answer. The man knew the answer, but he was religious and he was lost. In verse number 29, he asked this question, who is my neighbor? You see, he knew the law, but he didn't have life. He didn't have salvation. He didn't understand and truly live what he thought that he knew. He didn't want to love anyone that he didn't have to love. And this is where it really came down to this. 
Who is my neighbor? Because if you tell me who my neighbor is, I'll only love that person. But we're commanded to love everyone. We're commanded to take the truth of the gospel and give it to everyone. Just like this Samaritan man, not knowing this man that was beaten, not knowing who this man was, a a perfect stranger, when he came upon him, he stopped and he showed compassion to this man because he was his neighbor. In 1 John 4.20, the Bible tells us this, for sake of time, I'll just simply read this, but if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. You can't say that you love God and not love your neighbor. You can't say you love God and and hate your brother. You see, if you love the Lord, you're going to love people. See, this is the background. This is the parable. We often read the parable of the Good Samaritan, but the background of this is a self-righteous man trying to trap Jesus, trying to get Jesus to mess up, trying to discredit the message that Jesus is giving him. Now let's look at the story. We see the background of this story, and I want us to look at this story here this evening. And I want you to see, first of all, I don't I haven't seen your notes, but I believe the first point there you would find there is simply this. You would find man's downward journey. We see in this parable the man's downward journey. Several years ago, my wife and I took a trip to Israel. Fascinating trip. It changed, it changed our life. It changed how we read Scripture. It was interesting to go to Jerusalem and to see just how Jerusalem sits up on a hill. It's interesting, they tell us there's eight different, Israel's not a very large country. It's, it's a very narrow country, it's, it's about the size of New Jersey, not a large country at all, but in that country there, there's like eight different areas you could be in, and the weather would be completely different at the same time of year. It's, it's, it's interesting, Jerusalem sits up on a mountain, Jericho sits down by the Dead Sea. And what takes place in the weather and all the events that take place in Jerusalem, even though it's just a short distance away, Jericho is a completely different place. And the Bible says that this man, this man is coming from down, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And I want you to see that word down. He's leaving the place of Jericho and he's coming down to the place of the Red Sea, or the Dead Sea. This man in Jerusalem is a holy city. This, this place of Jerusalem is where the temple was. Jerusalem was a place that people gathered to worship the Lord. It was a special place. It's still, even to this day, as you visit there, you know there's something special about this place, Jerusalem. It's the place that the Jews would come and they would worship God. This is a, a special holy city. Jericho, though, is the complete opposite. Jericho is a pagan city. There's no worshiping of God in, in Jericho. There is nothing uh, other than just simply worshiping other gods. It's not a place that a, 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 a godly person would want to stay. Jerusalem is the place that a person that is worshiping God would want to stay. Jericho is a place that someone that is lost in the world would want to venture to. Jerusalem, it tells us this, Jerusalem is about 2,700 feet above sea level. Jericho is 1,300 feet below sea level. 
very short distance. One sits up high, the other one sits extremely low. This is a picture, as we see Jesus begin to say this, this parable, this certain man, this certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is a picture of a man going away from God. Leaving a place of worship, leaving a, a holy place, leaving a place where God is worshipped, leaving the place of the temple and going away from God. And the Bible tells us this, as he's going on this path, he falls amongst thieves. And this is a very dangerous journey. It's a dangerous journey for anyone that leaves a place where you're worshiping God, a place where God is being glorified, and leave God and go to a very worldly place. It's a very, very difficult, dangerous journey. They left him dead. The Bible tells us this, that as he's, he's leaving there, and you know the story, as he's leaving Jerusalem to get to Jericho, the Bible says he fell, fell among thieves, and the world left him for dead. Listen to me, young people. It's exactly what the world still does today. It takes everything it possibly can, and it leaves you for dead. And it's exactly this story. You see, we live in a world where people, who, where people are, are going away from God. And I won't get into it just again for sake of time tonight, but I, I know if you've watched even an a ounce of news, if you're at least, at least remotely aware of what's happening in this world, you realize this, the world is not going toward God. The world is spiraling out of control. God is mocked. You can pray as long as you don't use Jesus' name. We're living in a very post-Christian nation. Christians around this world are being persecuted. In, in, in Afghanistan today, I heard of a missionary this past week that was telling us what's happening in Afghanistan, and they're, they are taking and they're killing Christians there in that place. As we're sitting here tonight, Christians are being persecuted in the Middle East. They're saying that they're getting caught with a Bible. They're cutting their hands off in Middle East countries. This is what's happening to Christians. We're living in a world where people are going away from God. They've been beaten. They've been robbed by Satan. We live in a world, and, and this is no different in Toledo or no different where you live here. We're living in a world where there's broken homes everywhere. The two institutions that God ordained, the church and the home, are the two institutions that they, uh, Satan is doing everything he possibly can to destroy and attack. You look what's happening in marriage today, in the homes today. They're doing everything. Satan is doing everything he can to destroy homes. No longer, no longer does the world consider a, a mother and a father to be a, a, a good home. And now, no, no, uh, you don't have to have a male parent and a female parent. You can have whatever you choose. You can have it your way. You can do what you want. And we see what's happening in this world. We see what's happening in this nation because homes are broken. So many are wounded. So many bruised hearts. There's emotional abuse and physical abuse happening all around this world and happening in our backyard. Six years ago, we moved to Toledo. We have five children. 
our oldest is a boy and our youngest uh, uh, four children are all girls. And we learned after we moved to Toledo that it was two things. Number one, it was heroin highway up 75. We're like, that would have been good to know. And then we heard this, that there was uh, sex trafficking taking place in Toledo, major. I mean, it was, a, it was a hot spot for all of that taking place in, in the Toledo area. And my wife said to me, we brought four girls here? This world is sick. There's so much sin happening. There's such a, a, a huge addiction to drugs and alcohol. It seems like people, they, you watch the news and you see the reports and, and so many uh, are dying by overdose. So many are addicted to drugs. So many are addicted to alcohol today. And it seems almost like that's being celebrated. I think you'd agree this. The world we're living in is a hurting world. Hearts are wounded, hearts are bruised, hearts are bleeding, hearts are broken with people who need love, who need a neighbor, who need someone to care. And we see this, we see this man as he's declining, as he's going away from God. And then, then what we see here is something else I want you to take note to. In verse number 31, and by chance... And just by chance, there came down a, a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And think about this. And again, I know you know the story, and you've, seen, you've heard this before, but that as this priest is walking by, as he gets closer to what he sees is a man that is hurting, a man that is left for dead, a man that is bloody, the Bible says that he sees him and he just passes by on the other side. And, and then we see, secondly, we see the Bible says this, and likewise a Levite. When he was at the place, he comes and he looks at him. The priest sees him from a little bit of afar and doesn't want to be involved and goes the other way. And then the Levite comes and looks at him. I'm sure he's thinking to himself, what are you doing here? You knew this was dangerous. You knew what could happen. You knew you shouldn't have been traveling this all alone. And the Bible says this, instead of him helping, he stops, he looks at him, he passes by on the other side. I want you to see here, secondly, the religions were religions indifference. This is what I want you to see this evening. I want you to please understand this. The priest... And the Levite. You see, the priest and Levite, it's not just simply, well, there's a priest and Levite. Jesus is telling this on purpose because the priest and the Levite had specific functions in religion. The priest performed religious rituals of that day. The Levites were custodians of the law. And these two represented religion with its rituals and religion with its rules. The priest and the Levite represented religion. Jesus is talking to a very self-righteous man. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to a lawyer who knows the law. And he's trying to do everything he can to get out of loving his neighbor. He knows what the Bible says, 
but he's trying to justify himself so he doesn't have to do what the Bible says. Jesus is talking to this very self-righteous man, a man who doesn't want to love anyone that he doesn't have to love. I'll love only who I have to love. And Jesus is getting him to see this. Love everyone. Have a heart and a compassion for the stranger you may never meet again. Have a heart for those in your city that you have never known and never had a relationship. Have a heart to love everyone. This lawyer, remember, he was religious. But this lawyer didn't have a spiritual life. Jesus came, the Bible tells us, to seek and to save men from sin. He came to seek and to save man from religion. You see, a self-righteous man, he's got religion, but he doesn't need Christ because he has religion. And I don't think it's probably any different here than it is in Lucas County where we live, but so many are trusting in religion. I can't tell you how many I've given the gospel to, and they'll tell me what church they go to. I can't tell you how many people that we've asked about heaven and they'll tell us their religious background or, or when they were baptized. I sat with two in my office, two uh, folks in my office, a husband and wife, older, and they were telling me, I was asking them about salvation. They've been coming to our church for a short period of time. And they said, we want to know more about uh, a salvation that you're preaching because one grew up in, a, in, a, in one religion and he grew up, the husband grew up in a very different religion and they're saying, that's not what we've ever heard before. And as we sat and we talked about Christ and about salvation, the Bible way, they said, this is so different. They have a small little child and she said, I, I, when my, my son was two, I didn't know what to do. I just knew I didn't want him to die and not go to heaven. So I took and I baptized him myself. And she said, what do you think happened? I said, he got wet. And she said, nothing else happened? I said, well, no. He too has to come to a place where he receives Jesus Christ as his savior religion and rituals and rules never save a person but there's so many people that are looking to religion looking to rules looking to rituals thinking that's enough and jesus is trying to get us to understand there's more the apostle paul was a religious man remember the apostle paul before he met christ he said this in Philippians chapter number 3. I'll turn there quickly. Philippians chapter 3. Paul is giving just kind of a breakdown of who he is. And he says this of himself. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal. Persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law. Blameless. What Paul was saying. You want to talk about religious? I was religious. But I was lost. I knew the law, but I didn't know Christ. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. There's a difference between a religious man and a saved man. There are some that are lost in religion. There are some right here in your community, in your city that are lost in religion. And oh, listen to me, if religion can't save a person... 
then how is that person going to know what's right? They need a church like this church in this community, not just so that this church in this community has a place for themselves, but so that a place, this church and the people of this church can take the truth of the gospel and go share the truth with every single person that's confused. Every single person that's lost. Every single person that thinks that their answer or their way or their religious rituals or their religious rules are it's gonna, is what's going to get them to heaven, what's going to get them everlasting life. And oh, there's so many sincere people. There's so many sincere people that are following rituals like this priest and, and rules like this Levite. There's so many. But you know what they find themselves when they die without Christ? Religion can't save. Twelve years. I got a little choked up as your pastor began to look at people. You know, we do, if we're not careful, we can look at buildings, we can look at programs. I loved watching this tonight because you're marking the years not just by buildings and programs, but you're marking the years that God has given you with people. People that are being saved, lives that are being changed. But listen to me, Satan would have, he would do anything to stop this church from doing what Christ is trying to get the religious man here to understand. Caring about those that are lost. Caring about those who this world has beat up. Caring about those who have, have, are lost and helpless and hopeless. You see, no religion can save. Only Jesus Christ can save. You ever hear that, that old phrase, died in the wool Baptist? You can be died in the wool Baptist, but if you don't have Jesus... All you have is religion. We'd all be better to be this instead of dying the wool Baptist, washed in the blood believers. Because it's only the blood of Jesus Christ that saves. And the world needs to hear it. And the world needs to know. Religion with its rituals cannot save. The Levite came and he looked at him and wagged his head and couldn't believe this man and judged him and then walked away. You see, the law can condemn us, but the law can't save us. And that's what when the Levite walked by and he looked at him, he was condemning the man. I can't believe that you're here. I can't believe you put yourself in this situation. And the law always condemns. And then he walked away without helping. Listen to me tonight, please, please hear this tonight. Your neighbor needs more than religion, rituals, and rules. This city, your county, your neighbor needs more than, 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 than just someone that knows what the Bible says. They need a church that is doing what the Bible says. Living what the Bible says. This, this world needs more 
This world needs compassion. This world needs Jesus. This world needs a friend like this good Samaritan. There are people out there beaten up and robbed and hurting and dying. And they need a church that has fallen in love with Jesus on this 12th anniversary. I would encourage you and challenge you, church, to stay fallen in love with Jesus. The Lord has given you beautiful facilities. I heard this just recently. Most church plants don't last three years. And if they hit their five-year mark, they've really made it. But something normally happens between that five year, those that can make five years, something normally happens between that five and ten year mark. And most never celebrate that ten year mark. And for your church to celebrate a 12 year anniversary is truly amazing. And it's not normal. They're saying before COVID hit, some 10,000 or so churches, and that's of all denominations, were closing their doors every single year in America. I just read an article just this past week that in 2022, there's going to be a wave of preachers that are discouraged and they're just going to call it quits and walk away from the ministry because of the last couple years. I was talking to a, 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 a real estate fella in my office, and they understand this, the best real estate in most cities are churches. Because when cities were first formed and areas were first formed, they would allot there's a specific place in the middle of town for a church. And they know now that the majority of churches are closing up and, 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 and leaving because they can't keep the doors open and there are so many investors that are ready to buy up that property because it's prime property in the middle of their cities. There's not care of, oh no, churches are closing up and our country is, is morally failing. They're not looking at that. They're just simply looking at business opportunities and the world is looking at, and even religion is looking at, that less churches may be a better thing. And I want you to know this, that every single city, every single town, every single village, every single place in this country, what we need are more churches. We need more people that are willing to sacrifice, more people that are willing to give themselves, more churches that are willing to love their neighbor and teach them that it's not about religion, but it's about Jesus Christ. And praise God for that. And lastly, I want you to see this. Verse number 33. Luke chapter 10, verse number 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Just circle that. Religions, rituals, religions, rules. Looked and left. But a Samaritan... The Samaritan looked and had compassion. I want you to see, thirdly, a friend's involvement. You see, a Samaritan, what was so important about a Samaritan? Because a Samaritan was despised. It was a race of Jews that married into heathen nations. 
You didn't deal with a Samaritan if you were a Jew. A, a, Samaritan, a Jew wouldn't look at a Samaritan and consider them a friend. They would look at a Samaritan and say that you are no longer a pure bread. You're no longer a pure race. You're no longer Jewish. You have intermarried with heathen nations. And you are, and the Bible would even call them dogs. That's how they would look at that, a Samaritan. But the Bible says a certain Samaritan. A certain Samaritan. You see, this is the picture of Jesus. Genuine compassion. The Bible says, look again in verse number 33, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him, he saw the same thing the Levite saw. But instead of behaving the same way the Levite behaved, the Bible says he had compassion on him. God help us never get to the place like the Levite or the priest that sees it and we just judge it and we just, we just, we just walk away from it. No, God give us a compassion. We see people without Christ. God give us a compassion. We see a lost world steeped in religion. The Bible says he, no long, he also had compassion, this genuine compassion. He saw him. He came to where he was. He had gracious compassion. He ministered to him as he was. These other two saw him and looked at his condition and walked away. But I want you to see someone with true compassion. They minister to someone right where they are. I'll say this to our church often. There should be people in our church that don't look like us. There should be people in our church that when you say, turn to Luke, they're like, what? Where's that? There should be people in our church when you say, now how many of you have heard this story over a hundred times told in your life? Someone says, I've never heard it before. There should be people. Oh, listen to me. You come like you are. If you stay, you're not going to stay the same way. This man, he was found. He was dead. He was found lost. He was found hopeless. He was found about ready to give up his life because of the world, the way the world treated him. And this Samaritan came to where he was. Showed compassion on him. This is genuine compassion. This is gracious compassion. And this is gentle compassion. Look with me in verse number 34. I hear your stomach growling. I promise I'm done. And he went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Oil and wine. Oil soothes. Oil is the sign of the Spirit of God. This man had something that the Levite and the priest didn't have. That was the Spirit of God. Religion doesn't have that. It has its rituals. It has its rules. You follow the rituals. You follow the rules. And maybe, maybe you'll be accepted. But this man brought oil. 
oil to soothe him like the Spirit of God does, and wine to cleanse him. And that wine represents the blood of Jesus Christ because it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ can someone be changed and healed. You see, religion can't save a person. Only Jesus Christ can. This, this is true fellowship. This is true friendship. And this is what we see Jesus as he is talking to this self-righteous lawyer that knows all the answers. Jesus says this, religion doesn't save you. It's not what the world needs. It's had enough of it. Last February when your pastor and I went to India together, I sat next to a man on an airplane and I'm still in contact with him today. And for a couple hours, these guys all left me. They all sat together, and they put me all by myself. And I'm sitting next to this Indian man on the airplane. We got, flew into India, then we had to take another plane ride into southern India. And so I'm sitting next to this man, and obviously we began to talk about religion. And he said this to me, I've never talked to a Christian one-on-one -on -one before. And I said, what do you believe? And he began to tell me what he believed. And I could tell as I'm looking at him, he could tell by the look on my face, what he's saying didn't make a whole lot of sense. He said, what do you believe? I began to tell him about Jesus. What Jesus did. And Jesus paid that sin debt. And we got off the airplane and I started walking toward the restroom after we got off, and this guy followed me right into the restroom. And I thought to myself, oh, no. He's going to bug me. I'm going to die in India. He followed me into this restroom and followed me out of the restroom, followed me over to where our luggage was, and he finally stopped me. I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? He stopped me. He said, could you give me your email address? I want to hear more about Jesus. And for a year and a half, him and I have been emailing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, telling him what Jesus Christ has done. 350 or some million gods can't save them. Only Jesus. And church, I want to challenge you. Whether you celebrate 13, 14, 24, or Lord Terry's is coming, one day you're sitting here and this group of people are celebrating their 35th and 50th year anniversary. May you never lose sight that you're here to grow, to learn, to be discipled so that you can leave this place. Not to judge, not to look at the world and walk by, but to take the truth of what you get here and go to your neighbor that's hurting, that's bleeding, that's broken, that needs the gospel. And you stop. And you show compassion like Jesus showed to you. And I pray that God gives you that heart and continues to give you that heart as you continue to minister years and years into the future here at North Life, not North Point.
North Life Baptist Church. Let's pray together. Father.